Hello and welcome to UX Consulting Academy. My name is JJ. This is UX Consulting Podcast, Episode 6 with Wojtek Kutila. Wojtek, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. How are you, JJ? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, yeah. Just in this kind of new setup for me and um, things slowly getting back to normal. So what about yourself? Where are you from at the moment? Well, I obviously uh, live in Edinburgh right now. Um, so that transmission, you know, hails to you from uh, muddy Scotland. <laughs> but uh, I originally, uh, I'm Polish. I come from Poland, um, but I've lived here for a long time now. So um, I don't know. I, I suppose I'm kind of, you know, half Scottish, maybe not. Um, I mean, between places, I'm the citizen of the world. <laughs> I love it. Very good. Very good. Um, it says on your LinkedIn, US consultants and trainer, and it looks like you've got some really interesting experience. It was actually Jamie Levy, who we spoke to on the first episode of this podcast that recommended uh, you and I have this chat. So really cool um, to do that. Uh, so I'm very grateful for your time. Uh, it'd be great for people that aren't familiar with your work and what you do, if you could give us an intro and tell us what it's all about for you. Of course, sure. So, uh, yeah, we've already established my name is Wojtek Kutila and you got that right. Uh, thank you for pronouncing it <laughs> yes. correctly. Well exercised. <laughs> um, and uh, I am a strategic UX consultant, uh, but mostly nowadays a trainer, really. I've been doing a lot of UX over the years. Um, my career started around uh, 12, 13 years ago. Um, that's when I got interested in usability first. Uh, but before that, I was a very bad web developer. Um, that uh, that had really led me to, to UX uh, somehow. Um, and um, what I do nowadays is I, I consult uh, by helping companies uh, build products that you know, are actually usable and friendly. Um, I focus a lot on uh, things like ethics and you know, sustainable design and uh, all sorts of uh, things um, that are related to diversity and uh, inclusion. Um, I also teach, as I said, uh, so majority of my business um, is nowadays training. I provide training um, to um, big and small organizations, big and small teams. I coach, I mentor. Um, I'm doing all sorts of things that are helping people understand what UX is about. How does it work? How does it come to um, uh, life in the life cycle of a product or a service? Uh, how things could be made better? Um, I'm a great believer in a very practical approach to UX, so I think that's uh, that's the thing that I'm kind of becoming known for. That you know, I, I don't really teach people academic stuff, or I'm not asking them to read lengthy books. I I prefer to show them how to find solutions uh, by themselves. I believe in empowerment, so I'd rather um, utilize natural talents of people and teams than to kind of give them one solution that works all the time because nothing like that exists really and um, context is always unique. So it's very important for me to, to know people, to uh, be able to um, help them in a way that um, makes me just a, just a helper, not even so much a facilitator of the work. And um, obviously it's slightly different when, I, when I'm um, you know, engaged with a company, um, when, I, when I do work for a company that requires me to um, maybe review something or, you know, um, work with them on a strategy. I have to bring more expertise into the game. But even then, I, I still am thinking that uh, it's much better to 
to give people space and to allow them to to make their own mistakes and show them how they can learn from those mistakes and uh, kind of teach them that way. So so that's really what I do. And um, I travel quite a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, nowadays, because of the Armageddon that we are going through, um, I don't actually go anywhere. You know, I've been sitting in this office for last, I don't know, five months or something, right? But um, But normally, I do travel quite a lot. Around the UK, around Europe, I uh, I do a lot of uh, work in Poland. That's uh, um, that's where um, I mean, the majority of my mentoring takes place, really. But not only. Um, so yeah, so I'm all around, and uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, that's 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 me in a in a kind of three minute nutshell, I suppose. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. I love what you say about empowerment and helping other people to go through the process themselves, make mistakes and learn from that. I did the post recently um, saying that the best wireframes are the ones that you get other people to draw, you know? So if you're doing a workshop, um, the results of that, the sketch is always really compelling and kind of important to, I think, uh, remember that, you know, I think sometimes designers especially can kind of get into this vacuous um, mindset of just doing a build in a design context and sort of, you know, fleshing things out and forgetting that, you know, quite often the best ideas and the best things we can produce are through collaboration, through bringing other people in. Um, what are some of the challenges that perhaps you face in, um, uh, in doing that in this kind of more virtual setting where people are doing, you know, meetings like the one we're doing now, just purely over Zoom and things like that. Um, how have you found that transition? It's actually not too bad. I was always expecting it to be much uh, worse, but I think, um, I mean, obviously I do have my methods of work, um, you know, remote uh, work because, you know, as a consultant, I, I've worked remotely for quite a while, um, but I was a bit worried that it would be hard for other um, organizations or, or my customers to adapt to that. But um, it's not really, I think everyone's finding themselves uh, quite, well, semi-comfortable, I would say, in that situation. And we, we are doing what we can to, to make it, um, to make it work. Um, one of the biggest challenges for me of remote work is, uh, you know, keeping the attention uh, level at the kind of right level, so to speak, when, when I interact with people, um, especially as, um, as a consultant, I tend to talk quite a lot and there's sometimes no other way around it, like when something has to be explained. So uh, what I'm doing is as much as I can, I'm trying to bring interactivity into everything that I do. Uh, and again, you know, to, to allow people to find their own conclusions and just kind of have a rather, you know, conversation maybe rather than, um, than just like, a, you know, a transmission that comes to them. Um, but I think, um, yeah, apart from that, uh, other challenges obviously are limited to physical space. It's very hard to, um, to, take some of the practices we were used to uh, in a physical room setting with tables and paper and pens and God only knows what else, you know, to, to a virtual um, classroom or a virtual meeting. Um, it's, I suppose, the same uh, problem that uh, musicians have nowadays. I do have a number of uh, musician friends and uh, they say that, uh, you know, even if they could play for someone online, you know, through <laughs> Zoom or Facebook or whatever it is, um, that, that connection is lost because it's after all just a virtual head of somebody on the computer screen and you have your flat around you and, you know, your slippers on and, you know, your popcorn machine and whatever it is. And, uh, and it's just, it's just dynamic is very different. The dynamic is very different. So I think that's, that's the main challenge, but, uh, this can be conquered. This can be done. Uh, I also think that in some ways, 
we just don't have a choice. So we'll find a way, you know, when you are faced with, uh, with a challenge like this, um, there isn't really much else you could do. You could just, you have to adapt and, and, um, and make the best use of out, uh, out of what you have really at your hands. Um, so there are challenges, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to break us, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, um, what's that saying? Necessity is the mother of invention. Um, mm. Like you say, yeah. you have to just find a way of making it work. Yeah. So, well, what kind of projects are you doing at the moment? What are you getting inspired by? Well, at the minute, uh, I'm lucky enough to, I, I've just, I've just handed over one project last week and I'm going to be handing over another one this week. And there were two very interesting, uh, projects, uh, um, to do with voice technology, uh, in, uh, use for learning and teaching and, uh, for, um, uh, disability access, um, two very particular apps. One was, um, from citizen literacy. That's an app that, uh, teaches adults how to write and read in English, which is a true use of voice technology, which is a very fascinating subject because there are some particular challenges related to that. I mean, we're talking about people who um, would not be able to interact with devices, electronic devices, the way we do by reading labels. And, you know, so it's, it's really quite, uh, quite an interesting thing. And that was a really good project uh, that I uh, helped on. And um, the other project that is running on at the minute is to do with even, I would say more fascinating technology, um, which allows those of us who might be losing voices because of progressive diseases to actually have our voices reconstructed digitally. And uh, it's a synthesis engine, voice synthesis engine that imitates the voice of a person. I, I have goosebumps when I'm talking about this because I, I just regenerated my voice last week with this just to like understand obviously how this works and all that. Well, actually more than a week ago two or three weeks ago and uh, the quality of that voice generated is incredible it just you know if if i played it to you right now which i'm unable to because it runs from a mobile and it's quite you know quirky uh you wouldn't know that it's not me talking you, you would think it's wow. me talking it's 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 absolutely astonishing and both of these um, projects were um quite intense and interesting in terms of um, usability and accessibility of the interface so i had to help there um I'm also involved in a couple of kind of strategic uh, planning projects and, and so on. Uh, writing a training right now, actually. I'm in the middle of it. Uh, and next week, I'm going to be delivering a training to a software development company here in Edinburgh, uh, remotely, of course. I mean, we were planning it to, to happen to take place, um, you know, one to one kind of in, in a room, but uh, that's not going to happen. So uh, now I'm um, coming up with all ways of, um, all possible ways of actually. Um, taking those exercises into an online space, which proved challenging, but uh, it will be done. Um, yeah, so I, I, I certainly cannot say that uh, I, you know, I'm bored. <laughs> there's, there's plenty <laughs> of stuff happening right now. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned the, so you recreated your voice. Yeah, how did, yeah. How did that work? How did that happen? It's, it's bonkers, man. It's basically, yeah. so you, so there's a whole process to go through. It's, it's actually fairly easy at the end, but um, what it's down to, what it's boiled down to is that you, you record special set of sentences and there's, there's hundreds of them. You have to kind of read them. Um, the, the website records them for you. Um, and they are, these are special sentences. They, they include um, a lot of um, words uh, from English language, but also particular combinations of letters, letters, vowels, you know, punctuation marks, all sorts of things to kind of feed the AI machine. And then 
and then that's that's kind of going somewhere into the black hole of what I really don't understand. I, I kind of tried thinking about it, but it's just, you know, I mean, I, I can't comprehend what, what that does, I mean, software-wise, I just don't know. But what, what basically, some, something happens in there, and and then at the end, you, as the user, you get, um, um, you get a package of sorts that you either can download to an app to use it, to, for the app to speak for you. So, you know, you can type something in like, hello, you know, I'm JJ or whatever, and it's gonna speak in your own voice. It could be long sentences, whatever you want, copy and paste, text, anything. Uh, or you can actually use that, um, uh, if you have Windows, you can uh, sort of uh, plug it into your Windows uh, speaking engine and that, that, would, that would talk to you. I mean, not so much to you, obviously, it would talk for, for you um, if you need it, if you don't have a voice anymore. If you can't really speak anymore, it would talk to you. Uh, it would talk for the for the others, so they can hear you. And uh, as I said, I mean, the, it's just like it's really weird because you know you, you are used to those voices from Alexa or like Siri, and they are okay. They are they do sound nice, but you know, I still have in my mind that that uh, that sound of uh, speech synthesis engine from like I don't know early two thousands or whatever, where you type something in, and then it goes like, "Hey, now my name is JJ." You know that sort of stuff. And suddenly here, I, I play that out. You know, I, 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 I basically, I just entered some, some number of, you know, words, whatever, a phrase or two, and it did talk to me in my own voice with my accent, with my, you know, with everything. And you're just like, what the hell just happened? How does this work? You know, so, so, so the technology behind it is quite magical. Um, and so the, the challenge that the organization has obviously is to make it uh, accessible on the app level. So it could be used by uh, users of assistive technologies because you know it's it's most often going to be used in that context rather than me playing with it for fun at a party. You know that's that's not especially as you know it's a service that you have to obviously pay for because that uh, that he uh, that generation of it and I mean even you know coming up with this algorithm and all that that's that's a lot of work. So it's it's a it's a commercial pr product, but uh, it, it's just mind blowing. Yeah, it really is mind blowing. Yeah, I mean it kind of makes you think. How long will it be before you're on the phone to someone, but you don't know if that's the person? I could easily Mr. fool you with that. I mean, seriously, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> wow. it does have its, you know, glitches, obviously, you know, it's like at the very end, you kind of know it's not real, but if you use it for what you are meant to be using it for, so like single short phrases as like, I want water, or could I have some tea, or, you know, could I please, I don't know, um, do this or that or whatever, or hello, these things, they just sound as they should and it's it's you know fascinating how it works wow amazing very really really amazing and you mentioned that that's going to be as a commercial project and 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 would the the use of that be for people that have difficulty speaking uh is it is it that kind yeah of that is the idea i mean originally it was created um in edinburgh at the edinburgh university um with uh, people who uh, are basically gradually losing their voice because of medical conditions of, of uh, different types. And so, so that's the plan that, you know, a person, uh, let's say with uh, motor neuron disease who cannot really articulate sounds anymore, could use that, uh, let's say with their eye gaze equipment. Um, so by looking at a, at a special screen, they could point at letters or, or words or phrases, and those would be pronounced with their voice because right now obviously speech synthesis is, is you know it's not a new thing and they can do that but it sounds very robotic and it's not really that cool whereas imagine that you know you can you can have i don't know let's say fathers or mothers still communicating with with their children in their own voice 
even though they can't really articulate by themselves and that's just it you know it makes a huge difference i mean i've seen uh, videos from from uh, usability testing of this thing and you know people were crying essentially you know it's so emotional uh so um, especially as you can you can you can do that you can go through that process before you lose your voice entirely and into to some extent even uh the company has the technology to rebuild your voice digitally if if they don't have the full sample so maybe the quality isn't that great but it's still you know um pretty uh impressive um compared to the fact that you know you might not be able to speak at all um yeah it, it does make an impression but that's that's something i'm finding with all projects that are related to accessibility or you know assistive uh, technologies uh, that help disabled users that uh they're always incredibly rewarding and it's not to do with money or, or, you know, or I don't know, popularity of a solution, but just the fact that you, you did help someone and that's, and that's like real help sort of it's, I mean, I'm not saying that obviously, I don't know, transferring money from your bank account or, you know, using Facebook or whatever is not cool. And, but when you have someone who, who hasn't been able to, to talk, to speak and you suddenly can, actually keep them you know talking and speaking and all, all they can do it for the first time that's you know since since a long time that's um it just basically blows your mind you know it's uh it's fascinating mind-blowing yeah and as you say there's nothing i think mind-blowing like is the word of this podcast yeah you have <laughs> yeah that should be the title mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an incredible project really really cool um yeah i mean i quite often talk to designers that are um, still, you know, very much focusing on UI design, how can I become a better UI designer? And that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But with the move, I mean, the move towards voice activated services is just gathering pace. And it will, you know, quite likely be the case that in, you know, in the next few years to a decade, it's going to be the majority of services that are voice activated rather than screen based. So I think that's important to, to recognize now for sure. Uh, what is the kind of process? So you were, you were engaged in this project and you were mm. coming in as a UX consultant. Like what kind of process did you go through in, in helping them? Those, those projects were actually fairly standard in a way that there, there was something that both of these organizations had, like a functional app. Uh, functional is the good word to use here, I think, because those were very early, yet sort of functionally mature, but early in terms of interaction quality um, applications that had to be in many ways you know, improved. So I, uh, I've been looking at uh, usability, accessibility of, of those things. Um, but then when, when, I, when I work with, with such things, I, I don't really follow the typical journey of a consultant where, where you know, you're just doing your usability review, whatever it is, and then you handle a big, a big document to a company and you say sayonara, and this is my invoice, you know, and uh, have a happy day and just, you know, call me again if you need me with the next version, you know. What I do is different. I um, I'm, I tend not to produce reports like detailed reports, uh, but I produce a lot of recommendations. I mean, obviously there, there is a report of of issues, and like it has to be written down even just for the uh, software team, like developer team, to development team, to be able to action those. You know, so the, like, that's inevitable. So you have to do that. But um, I don't produce like hefty reports, you know, with slides and whatnot. Rather than that, I have um, like a longer, sometimes half a day, sometimes a day long workshop with uh, all possible people involved that um, in, in which I'm, I'm taking them through the findings and recommendations and they 
they have the opportunity to ask all sorts of questions that are related to the future of the product, like how to do this, how to do that, you know, how do you, how would you action this if this happened or how can we get feedback from those of those or, or those people or these people or, you know, all sorts of things. Because the way I'm thinking about this, whenever I'm approaching a customer, um, it sounds funny when I say it, but it really does work. It's almost like every customer I'm approaching with the notion that I would want to be able to put myself myself out of a job by by telling them or showing them things that I know. So they can do all of these things or most of these things themselves next time and only reach out for me if they, they have something major to deal with. Like, you know, I'm, let's say a company that has never done accessibility testing and you know they're going to be doing it for the first time and that's that's difficult to be see so they might need help but uh, there's plenty of this actually i believe that people who are designing things if it's solving a real problem and that problem is well diagnosed and they can bring people who who are who are they designing for on board they are more than capable of, of dealing with this whatever it is they don't need any fancy you know uh, consultant like me and to, to pay them you know a lot of dough just for basically um um, coordinating them and I can do that in, in very small chunks it doesn't cost them a lot uh, but it provides them with a service that is uh, uh, almost like a, a school of sorts or like a really extensive boot camp of how to do this right and then they have a whole team of people who are aware and ready to action and yes they do still need my help sometimes somehow obviously I didn't really put myself myself out of a job yet and I don't think it's gonna ever happen but it's a very different relationship. We, you know, it's it's um, it's of mutual respect rather than I'm a tool employed to do the job, and they are, you know, just like shedding some work on me because nobody knows how to do it. And you know, the, it, this wouldn't work for me. I wouldn't be happy working like this. I've worked like this for for a long time when I was employed at other organizations where you know um, you tend to basically work to the dictando of the client and they uh, they just tell you do this do that and you do this do that and then you go away and then of course in half a year's time they're coming back to you because they don't they're totally lost they don't know what to what to do um i don't think that's sincere and honest so um so yeah so in those cases you know that that was that was uh, the way of work and it's gonna be like i mean it's it's nothing new to me that's how i work generally i and i've been since i i moved to uh, uh self-employed um self-employment like a few years back um yeah, I kind of lost the track of what was the original question really, but I think I also answered it. If yeah, <laughs> if that makes sense. no, yeah, it was a great, great answer. Um, it was, yeah, about the process and it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. People often worry about that, I think, but as much as a paradox as it may seem to be, but you know, when you go in with that intention to put yourself out of a job, it means you're just giving value. Um, you never really will put yourself out of a job, but you will just create the most amount of value, which means that you're you know, bringing the best service, which means they'll never, never stop wanting to work with you. So yeah, it makes absolute sense. Uh, really cool. I really like that a lot. Yeah. So what would you say, I mean, with this kind of move to things being more virtual now, you mentioned the, the mentoring work that you do and the kind of training work. And that sounds really interesting. It sounds like it kind of dovetails quite well with the, the voice activation work that you did where you were helping with the learning stuff. Um, so what kind of work do you do with, with the mentoring? Well, with mentoring, there are two things really. Um, I, for a long time, I've been running a, a regular mentoring program uh, for designers in, uh, in Poland. Um, and that, that was running like what was a year and a half or so. And I've had quite a few people put through that. 
Um, and that was just the regular kind of meetings with groups of people, you know, discussing the problems, ideas, helping them develop their careers, and also learning from OVC because, you know, a part of mentoring is for me to learn too. It's not that I'm just like, you know, uh, standing there on a pedestal and like basically telling people the great things, you know, it just doesn't work like that really. Um, but uh, I also have very regular um, requests from clients that uh, require mentoring for their teams um, or individuals embedded in teams. Um, and that's really nice. It looks like uh, it's finally um, becoming a good idea and, and there's a recognition that this is important, that you know, there's somebody who can help you as an individual, you know, if you're like a junior UX designer or maybe um, a slightly more advanced designer that doesn't really kind of know where they stand and what do they want from themselves to, to grow, you know. Um, so so I, um, I do quite a lot of that. Um, and uh, it's interesting because, uh, as I said, it's not only to do with helping others, but learning a lot from them. That exposes me a lot to different organizations, different organizational cultures and and different ideas, you know, a diverse range, range of people of, of all sorts of, you know, eth ethnic background and, um, and what have you. And so that's, uh, that's really quite, um, quite a rewarding way of spending my professional time. And I think the point here for me is always to remember that I absolutely don't know everything and I don't have an answer to everything. And um, so I always say that, you know, I, I, I'm not able to solve anybody's everybody's problems you know in a blast that's not the point the point is for them to to understand what problems they have and for us potentially to find uh, some approach to to a solution but uh, yeah so 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 that's really how it works it's um it's helping people grow that's how i would summarize that yeah i love that um and that's a great sort of attitude to have i think towards it you know knowing that there's going to be problems that people have that might not be uh you know immediately possible to solve but you know working together to solve those problems and then i often say you know when working with people look i've been doing it for so many years and that doesn't mean i'm you know all knowledgeable but it does mean i've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> and oh, so yeah. yeah i mean i can i can you know sh help you not make those same mistakes and that's probably uh one of the main one of the main points for sure Absolutely. Um, I mean, mistakes are, you know, hard written into everything we do. I would even say that, uh, I mean, I don't think it's possible to grow as a consultant. In, I mean, actually to grow as a, as a human, <laughs> as, a, as a person, if, you, if you're not making mistakes or not recognizing them, that's, uh, that's vital. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, hey, so it was um, Jamie Levy who uh, recommended we, we have this, this chat. Um, how, how did you guys become friends? That was a funny story. Uh, so I, I think we've, well, I know we, we've met at UX Scotland some years ago, four or five years ago. I, I don't actually remember when, but like good few years back. Um, I, I didn't know about Jamie. Like I just walked into her workshop because there was nothing better to do as sometimes, you know, you look, you, you are, when you are at conferences, you know, it's like you're looking at the thing and you're thinking, oh my God, there's just nothing really that, I mean, what would I do? And there was this bit UX strategy workshop. I was like, yeah, okay, right. I mean, I obviously knew what UX strategy was, been working with it for a while, but still, let's go. And uh, I found Jamie absolutely sensational because she just doesn't take any bullshit and she's, she's very hardcore. She's like this kind of crust punk UX designer 
who just you know doesn't take any prisoners um which was just you know throughout throughout the workshop it was completely like prominent you know and visible that she just doesn't um uh doesn't uh, uh really um she's not there to 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 please everyone but to teach them stuff and to show them good things and i loved that because that's just my approach and i also i was fascinated by seeing how how difficult it is for, for people who were sitting around me you know here in scotland in the uk we are used to way kind of more polite culture and way of behavior and whatever and she was like you know throwing like swear words all around and and like <laughs> just talking to us like 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 she would be talking to um to people at her level like you know skipping all the sort of subtleties and just like hey deal with it get on with it and i love that so after the uh, session uh, it was like a workshop like a shortened version of her workshop that she's delivering um i think even today um i basically went to her because she said she has some books for sale like you know you can buy her book that was a time when her book was out uh, a few years back and i said can i can i buy a copy of the book please and she said, yeah, sure. Uh, and, you know, like we, we had a chat and she signed the book for me and she, she's written in it, Wojtek, give zero fucks. And I, I really <laughs> loved it. And I was like, that's awesome. Let's, let's hang out. And, um, and there was, I think, uh, either a lunch later or maybe we had, yeah, I think it was lunch, lunchtime. So I asked her at lunch, what, what are you doing later? What's your plan? And she said, well, I think that was the second day of the conference and UX Scotland has three days, I think, if I'm right, I don't remember, but something like that. Anyway, there was a year, so there was a day or, or two of conference uh, still, um, still to, to be at. And uh, she said, well, I'm actually leaving today because I'm going to Glasgow since some part of my family uh, a long time ago was from there and I would like to see it, but I don't really know anything about it. I don't know how to get there and I... I'm, you know, a bit lost and it's a big city and it's a weird place. I've never been and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like immediately, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take you there and I'll, uh, I'll be your guide. Uh, and she was like, uh, yeah, sure. Because, you know, I, I don't think she expected that, but we had an amazing chat on the train and I spent that afternoon and, you know, most of the evening with her in Glasgow, like um, just showing her places, taking her around a bit. We went for a beer or two, you know, we had some food. And we really quite clicked, uh, like I just, we've recognized both of us that we have a very similar way of looking at things. Um, and since then we just, you know, um, we stayed in touch, uh, you know, like regular calls, whatever, just talking about work and things. And obviously like, you know, gradually through time, this has faded away slightly because, you know, she has her practice, I have mine, we have our lives, whatever, but we're still in touch and we're very good friends, I think, uh, on that professional level. So um, yeah, that's that's just the story. Nothing fancy. I I have this tendency of um, of bumping into people that are quite like-minded, and uh, maybe because I I don't um, hold back with questions or or just saying, hey, I like your work. Let's talk. You know that that's helping me uh, finding people like Jamie uh, in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to be. This means you'll you'll naturally just come into contact with people that you know, do do a similar kind of work or have the, have the, the same uh, propensity for a more practical approach to UX, which I you know, totally hear you on that. She's just very, you know, has, um, has a sort of no BS approach to, okay, what's the process? How are we going to do this? It's really great. Uh, yeah, that, that's super cool, man. Um, hey, so what would you say, so you've done a lot of work in UX strategy, you, you've done this, this voice activation work. What, what is the project that you're the most proud of? Oh, that's a good question. I think that um, 
strangely, the, the, the biggest satisfaction I was ever drawing from my work, I think, uh, well, <laughs> I think it's to do with, with the teaching aspect. And there was a time when I was um, first full-time employed and then kind of contracting for an organization that is a software skills academy. Uh, they are in Edinburgh, they're called CodeClan. Um, and they have, um, this, this is an amazing institution really, and uh, they, they help uh, people, uh, they teach people basically coding. They, they, they run them through like a very intense bootcamp uh, of 16 weeks, if I remember correctly. Um, and those are all sorts of people. I mean, you know, all kinds of demographics really. Uh, they are all adult and that's the only kind of common denominator other than that, you know, they are from everywhere and, you know, different ethnicities, different gender, age, you know, um, social, social demographic groups. I mean, whatever, you know, it's just a full mix. And, and these wonderful people, they go to that bootcamp to, um, to later look for an employment in, uh, in the digital sector. And when I joined the organization, I, that was the whole idea. Actually, I, I, I suggested to them that they should have some, uh, some basic uh, UX in the program for developers. So developers can understand more what are they building, why are they building it, you know, how to make it work for other people and, and all that. And the, the organization really liked that. They, uh, they said, yeah, okay, let's, uh, let's do it together. So I've been with them for quite a while, I think altogether for around three and a half years as a, you know, in, in different capacities, but altogether as a, as a person who was um, teaching that part of the course throughout. So I think I can say with pride actually that I'm probably the only living person in the UK who's led more than 400 developers through their hands and taught them UX, you know, some basic concepts of UX, like how to think about the user, why do we need to, and, and, but that's, so that was a wonderful experience on its own, obviously, you know, seeing that these people are graduating and finding jobs and that UX knowledge is helping them. But the best part of it, which I, I will always remember fondly, and that was amazing, is feedback from employers who uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it comes to me like through the word of mouth, you know, from person to person, it's nothing that no one has officially written anywhere, but it comes, you know, in that sort of um, chat that, you know, people who are getting employed after CodeClan are are asking difficult questions or are, you know, uh, not just doing whatever they were told to do, but they want to do better for, for the user. And that is sometimes good and sometimes it's annoying. And I'm like, Yes, that's the whole point. That's why I like it so much. So, you know, so uh, I did it originally. Uh, I joined. I joined this organization because I was first of all looking for a change from my uh, from my previous job, but also a bit disappointed with the digital sector in general and the fact that it all really runs on this kind of consultancy model where, you know, as I said earlier, you know, you come, you fix the stuff and then you go away and nobody's really gaining any real skills and nobody's interested in doing the real thing, like proper thing from the ground up. So I thought if I find my way to teaching future developers how to do that in a few years time, they're going to become managers and that would be more natural to them to actually uh, approach the process of software development correctly. And it is working and it does work. And if, you know, this is like, so... I did this little piece of like, you know, sabotage or like, I don't know what you, what can you call it on the Scottish digital sector and it does bring effects. Um, obviously, you know, it, the whole industry is changing and we are becoming more aware of all these things. So, you know, I, I'm half joking when I'm saying that this is really, you know, my impact or whatever, it's not. But it does feel at times like I contributed to it a little tiny bit and I really, really, really like that. You know, that, that's, that's amazing. And I think, 
in terms of a product that I've designed that was the best, you know, I, I think that's my product, you know, that, 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 that change of mentality, maybe that, uh, that um, injection of new talent into the digital sector in Scotland and beyond, obviously, because some of these people do work in different countries nowadays. Um, that's way more valuable to me. Uh, and I think I feel more proud of that than of any of, you know, software products or services I've helped build, even if, I did actually, you know, help or, or facilitated the build of, of quite a few amazing things, but uh, none of them are as um, meaningful to me as, as that thing. Um, and that, that um, additional thing there where, you know, you, you have somebody who's, who's coming to, um, to learn software development and who is maybe a, a bit, um, you know, shy, apprehensive about it. They don't know really what they, when they really want to do it or not. You know, there's so many challenges associated with it. And after those 16 weeks, when you can see them grow, when you can observe them grow, learning more and getting new skills, when they, when they are living and they, they actually are empowered, they are strong, they can, you know, they are a bit more confident in, in terms of looking at themselves. They see that journey that they went through and they, they value that journey. That's, that's just you know that's just incredible i assume i've never thought at the university and obviously that's a much longer period of time you need and and it's a very different model of education and whatnot but i assume that you know university lecturers when they when they let graduates go they might feel a similar sort of pride like you know they've they shaped in some ways their um their development and that's that's super i mean that's awesome i i find that uh, you know fascinating yeah, I, I very much resonate with that to sort of seeing other people grow and then be able to support them in that process is really, as you say, very, very rewarding. Uh, really amazing stuff, man. Um, hey, so this has been, this has been amazing. Wojtek, um, where can people find you online? Well, the easiest way is just to, you know, find me on LinkedIn. That's where I am. Um, I live in between worlds. I have, you know, my English presence, kind of English speaking presence and my Polish speaking presence. And these are two different things, but altogether, if you type Wojtek Kutula into the Google, it's going to come up either with uh, uh, me as a consultant or me as a photographer, which is sort of like additional separate thing I've been running for years. Um, so this is the other way you're going to find me, but LinkedIn is the best or kutila.design. That's the website where you can read about, um, where people can read about what I do professionally and, you know, get in touch through there. Um, I've been lucky enough to actually have most of my clients come to me through personal recommendations. So, you know, it might be that you just ask around for a person and they will randomly recommend me, uh, or not but uh, yeah it's it's fairly easy to find me there aren't too many people with my name out there uh, <laughs> doing ux design so you know it should be fairly fairly straightforward great and yeah we'll, we'll link that that up in the show notes and um and finally ux consulting academy is an online resource for ux consultants so my last question for you Wojtek, for everyone listening that wants to make this more inclusive approach to empowering people like you were saying in the process of design for everyone listening that wants to make that more a part of their approach to UX, what actions could they start taking right now? I think that the, the thing that helps me the most is looking at what people can do and what they have already and building on from that rather than giving them things that I can give because I think they work for someone. I mean, a person being in a situation of need has already put a tremendous amount of thinking into solving their situation, into solving their problem. And no matter what I do, no matter how hard I empathize, 
I'm not I'm not going to be able to to feel what they feel. So I'd rather give them, you know, the the power to uh, to start the dialogue, to to bring their tools to the game, to uh, to build on good things that are happening around them, and help them with my consultant knowledge and on um, on addressing things that don't work. And I think that um, if if this helps anyone, then that's that's what I would tell them. Basically, you know, colleagues uh, in my situation of uh, of being a consultant start looking at what people already have and how they how you can empower them in 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 the situations that they are in rather than you know bring their own special cowboy tools to the game and you know and just like sort everything out for themselves because i think we've been doing it for too long um there's um you know design has this bad history of of forcing solutions down people's throats uh, just because we we think it works for them because we assume things you know us you know, educated, white, rich, uh, male, cis people, you know, living in the Western society and, and not everyone is like us. Um, and we, we need to start recognizing that. And to me, th when I realized that uh, quite a while ago, that was one of the biggest, uh, you know, breakthroughs in my career uh, because it did elevate me in my thinking um, from a position of, of a person who was just executing methodologies and blindly following you know rules of i don't know design thinking or, or or what have you to a person who is now able to listen first and only then um provide guidance and help and i think that's just uh you know heaven and earth when it comes to the quality of service you can provide as a consultant amazing voice thank you so much <laughs>